tonight. Let us just recap our theme for the month of October. We know very much that the guys' um, blessings have reminded us that the theme for this month is divine repositioning, a transformational imperative or transformational imperatives. Now, when we talk about repositioning, it has two aspects, two sides of the same coin. When we refer to divine repositioning, we refer to God helping us to position, to reposition ourselves as we live and as we serve him. In other words, we are talking about a divine setup. God is our father. God is our provider. God is our protector. And God wants us to be where we ought to be. So when we talk about divine repositioning, we are actually saying, you ought to be where God wants you to be. People's church, you have got to be where you ought to be. In other words, your composure, your posture should be where God expects you to be. As the pastor, I have the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells me where I ought to be. And you as a believer and us as the church, I want to believe we should have a spiritual discernment collectively where we ought to be. This is divine repositioning. In other words, your mindset, the way in which you think should be divine. Finally inspired. There is wrong thinking. There are people whose thinking is not right. And God wishes to orchestrate us. Let this mind which was in Christ Jesus be also in you. In other words, our thinking will be divinely orchestrated. Your sense of spirituality should be where God expects it to be. This is what we are talking about when we talk about divine repositioning. What about your habits? What about your practices? God wants us in terms of our ethical lives. A moral life. God wants us to be where he wants us to be. What about confessions? What about declarations? There are people who declare wrong things upon their lives. And God wants you to declare 
what is biblical, what is scriptural, what is godly. What you declare upon your family, what you declare upon your business, upon your finances should be right. And God wants to divinely reposition you as long as your declarations are not what it's supposed to be. We may not receive from the Lord. So that is one side of our theme. Today, I want to explore another aspect of repositioning. T.D. Jakes wrote a book which I bought and Pastor Clo bought. We are plowing through the book as we explore this topic together. Now, he is not talking more about divine repositioning. He's talking about you as a believer repositioning yourself. In other words, as Christians, we believe, you know, the, the usual themes, titles that we preach, breakthrough. This is what we hear today. Go to Christian media, you will hear breakthrough. God will give you a breakthrough. Miracle. Blessing. God will bless you. This is what we hear. But people hear very little about for you to be a recipient of a breakthrough. In what position you ought to be. And today I want to talk about that. God's blessings are true. God's breakthroughs. God's everything that God promises us in his word. All these things are true. But it matters where you are. It matters. Your repositioning. I've asked these guys to give me a bowl of 10 apples just to do an illustration show. Now, you see, we should teach precepts. We should teach the word of God to people. We, we should, this, it's not only about finances. It's not about money. But just an illustration to be where you ought to be. You know, I was telling our elders at Cornerstone and our leadership team that I listened to a preacher who says, I have gone through over the giving of tithe. It's a given. But what I am praying for now is that God give more for me to give into the church of God. Now, <laughs> she says as she preaches, the question of tithing, it's not a conversation. It should not be in the conversation in the church. Why? Because if you're a farmer, God gives you 
the harvest. If you are self-employed, Hangwani, brother Hangwani, they call you Uncle Hangwani. I'm also Uncle Hangwani. If you are self-employed, God gives you. If you are a professional person, God gives you money or salary. We should teach our people that 10% does not belong to you. Now, there is seed here. There is seed in this apple. And this apple has a potential to be several trees and to grow into hundreds of other apples but what we ought to teach the church is that be faithful in god 10 percent of your salary does not belong to you what are we talking about pastor is not a money thing it's a stewardship thing it's a discipleship thing we ought to teach our people don't eat they have us and don't eat their seed if we don't teach you we are doing a disservice to you we are positioning you for failure we want you to make it 10 percent does not belong to you but it belongs to god you the 90% you can choose to do what you want to do with the 90%. But the 10% does not belong to you. Let me tell you, if you obey God's word, you are positioning, you are repositioning yourself for a mighty breakthrough in your life, in your family, in your finances, in everything. So that is... Where I am overstretching this point, but we are what we are saying is that divine repositioning is one side of the coin, repositioning yourself. Sorry, it's my testimony, it's not your testimony. You have your own testimony. I decided there are some notes I will never take to the church. It's not, I'm not saying, I'm not imposing this to you. It's me. In my closet with God. As you know, we have two services at Cornerstone. And we give two offerings. It's even normal. We give two offerings every service. 8.30 and 10.30. One day I was sitting over here. And I took out my money to give for offering. God says, this is not what you promised me. But God, this is one service. God says it doesn't matter. I decided I will give God. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. I will give God when I decided. And that since I decided that, my finances have been going up. I give leadership. People do not feed on the sermon of the pastor, but they feed on the spirit of the pastor. You cannot be a stingy pastor and expect the church. The church catches 
Eugene, I'm sorry, timekeeper. <laughs> I'm sorry. But TDJ says, you ought to reposition yourself. And I believe that this side of the coin is one of the most difficult things for Christians today. Stephen Covey says, you can't change the fruit without changing the root. You can't change the fruit without addressing the root. Veronica Tuchaleva says, the mind just like the body becomes exactly what it is fed. Constance Friday says, your thoughts are your wings. How far you fly depend on how well you use them. Repositioning. What I'm preaching about today is that God can reposition us, but we've got to reposition ourselves. And today I'm using Hannah as an illustrative character and Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2 as illustrative texts. We know that our theme is based on 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. Now, when I say Hannah is an illustrative character, I am saying we are learning from her this morning that she had a condition, and she prayed. She wished that God should bless her. God should answer her prayers but she had to reposition herself in other words she had to be where god expected her to be like hannah i want to believe that we need to reposition ourselves. I have several examples to give, but I can't just resist this one. This is the newest church to be planted in Pretoria. At Bosov was a pastor of a church of 250 people in Bloemfontein. He attended a cell-based church seminar ran by Ralph Neighbor and the late David Yongicho. And they came out together with Harold Vates, Ray McCauley, and the others. They came out of that seminar fired up. And they were convinced that a cell-based church, a life, small church-based is the model 
to grow the church. And when Adbosov came back to his church in Bloomfontein, I don't know whether it was full gospel or whatever church that he was pastoring at that time, he told the elders, if you wish to end your position as an elder, you've got to run a life group or a home cell. Guess what the elder said? We are paying you a salary. You've got to do the job. We are not going to do your work. You are going to preach. You are going to teach. You are going to lead outreaches. And he says, if you do not desire to do that, you better step down. Half of the church left because he, in his words, wanted to reposition the church for growth. The rest is history. The church became, I'm saying, this is the newest, youngest church to be planted in Pretoria, yet it is the biggest today in Pretoria. Because of repositioning. People's church. If we do not position or reposition ourselves for growth, it's not going to happen. Professor Mukwena, where are you? Are you in the meeting? Yeah. It will not happen. That. Hey. How did you arrive here? How did you become like this? It will not happen. That you say. You know what? One morning as we woke up in the morning. We just found ourselves being like this. It will not take place. It takes effort. It takes repositioning. Hey. Tadana. I don't know. My time is all almost up. But I just want to say. Repositioning yourself. Being where. God expects you to be. Some of us there is a gap. Between where we are. And where we ought to be. And that gap should be narrowed. For God wants to bless us. God wants to move. In our midst. Let us see Hannah. Now, before that, Joyce Meyer says, God gives us double blessing for our trouble. She is commenting on the life of Hannah. We know her story. She was the second wife of Elkanah. And Penina was the first wife. She was blessed with children, sons and daughters. And Hannah did not have any Isaiah 61 verse 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Now, when they went to Shiloh, the place of worship, 
We read this in verse 4 and verse 5. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. He would give them the portion to go and make a sacrifice. Verse 5. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. <laughs> now, Hannah is getting what she does not deserve. Who is deserving a double portion? It is Penina. Because she has given birth to Elkanah's sons and daughters. But to Hannah, who did not have Elkanah in this text, is a representative of God. He gives to Hannah even the double portion. And I'm here to tell somebody, God will give you your double for your trouble. You, we will get, especially when we wish to reposition ourselves. God is the one who specializes in giving us our double for our trouble. It is by the grace of God that we do not deserve anything. It is by the grace of God that God blesses us, especially when we position ourselves when we reposition ourselves i believe hannah is surprised here how come that my master my husband is supposed to give a double portion to penina but god but hannah elkanah gives me a double portion you will get a double portion from the lord sometimes for your trouble it doesn't matter what you are going through God is the God who gives us what we do not deserve. We do not deserve everything that we do have. We do not deserve, but praise the name of the Lord. God will give us a double sometimes for our trouble. Let me go to, towards the end. In her repositioning herself, Hannah multiplied her prayer efforts. Sure, I've written some Hebrew there. I don't have time to explain what this means. But it suffices for me to say these words in Hebrew. Lehit palel yichbetan means to double, to increase your prayer efforts. Marudu Joshua. Obala Hebrew. What's about Hebrew? I arrive from left, from right to left. Lehit Palel. better Means, I'm not satisfied with my prayer life. I'm not satisfied in the manner in which I pray. I want to increase my prayer efforts. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. <laughs> we had a, 
uh, dry fasting yesterday. I'm sorry, I could not attend. This concept we learned from two gentlemen. One from here in Lipopo, his name is Mangalani. And he says, and his friend from West Africa, from Ghana, he says, God wants us to up our standard of praying. God wants us to increase our prayer level. Gentlemen, what, what, what do you rec recommend? They said, dry fasting is the way. What is dry fasting? Dry fasting is, we are going to pray from 8 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. The first dry fasting, we were more than 100 in the auditorium. And as I was preaching, I was choking. My wife gave me water. They said, no, this is dry fasting. I did not take the water. And since that time, our church has never been the same. Mangalani and this guy said there is a group, pastor, there's a group that starts on Wednesday. I said, guys, let's go for a medical opinion. He said, no, pastor, there's no medical opinion. There's a call that starts on Friday, on Wednesday. They drive fast until Saturday. Let me tell you, around three o'clock, when we're about to close, there, there, is, there is such a move of the Spirit. There is such a move of the Spirit that we don't want to go home. When we start, it's difficult. But as we plow into the day, around three o'clock, we feel that the presence of God is in this place. Lechit potel means let us increase our efforts in prayer. It means as we pray, we are repositioning ourselves. It means as we pray, it's not only us, but those around us, even the church, their lives will never be the same. Hannah repositioned herself. She increased her prayer life. Guys, let us jump to the other things. And Samuel Chadwick says, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when even the weakest saints pray. People's church, let us increase our efforts in prayer. Let us pray more than never before. And we believe by doing that, we are positioning ourselves for greater things from the Lord. Hannah teaches us today that when we 
pray not only pray but when we increase our efforts in prayer we will never be the same that's 19 then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered here somebody shout the name of the Lord God does not forget it does not mean that God has forgotten about Hannah but God waited for a repositioning God waited for her there is a word called anthropomorphism which means to explain God's in human actions when we say God remembered it doesn't mean God forgets but it means that God visits you it means God blesses you at the right time God is never too early God is never too late but God is on time and sometimes God waits for a perfect time where we have repositioned ourselves and therefore Hannah because she repositioned herself God remembered her I pray that God remember you today in your plight, in your request, in your situation. I pray that God should remember you. First Samuel chapter 2. Hannah opens her mouth yet again. And now she has received from the Lord. And she prays. This one. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. I don't think I have time to comment on verses 1 and 2. I have long commentary. Let us go back to chapter 2, verse 8, gentlemen. He raises the poor from their dust and lift the beggar from the ash heap. What we are saying, what we are learning from Hannah is that God specializes in raising the poor from the dust. Now the poor here is not literally those who are poor. We know very well that Hannah was experiencing a season of in her life but this season of barrenness was broken by her repositioning herself and therefore she praises the Lord from verse 1 but verse 8 she says it is the God it is God who raises the poor from the dust and the beggar from the ashes. She continues, he raises the needy from the dunghill. The Bible explains the dunghill as the most wretched place you may find yourselves in. And she talks about her own situation that I was as a Hebrew woman. I was experiencing going through a dry season, going through a 
barren season but because I repositioned myself God specializes in raising the needy from the downhill. I may not know what situation, what wretched situation that you find yourselves in. I don't know your family, what situation that they find themselves in. We want to say to all of us today, we want to encourage each and every one of us today. It is God who specializes in raising the poor, the needy from the downhill. And he, he says, God will make them sit with princess. They will inherit the throne of glory, the place of honor. What we are saying today, this morning, is that God sees your situation and God will raise you up. God will exalt you up. God will take you from your hopeless situation and God will sit you with princess. Somebody shout the name of the Lord because of repositioning. Now the last portion of verse 8 is very much interesting. Hannah prays. She says, for the pillars of the earth are Javers. He has set the world on them. Now the people at the time, believed that the earth is flat. And they believed that it rests on the four pillars. But they also believed in this stratification of reality. That under the earth, there is a place called Sheol. And the earth, where people are living. And they also believed in the region above the earth. That is the heavens. And Hannah says. For the pillars of the earth are Javes. He has set the world on them. And what is she communicating? Or what is she saying? She is actually saying God is in control. God is in charge. The earth. And everything in it belongs to him. Because of her repositioning. God has exalted her situation. God has raised her up. In conclusion, today's message is very clear. It's a call to self-repositioning. I believe each and every one of us in your unique situation, what you find yourself in, what you are growing, going through, maybe like Hannah, a season of dryness, a season of barrenness. Let us believe together that we are going to reposition ourselves Zig Ziglar says, every successful person has a painful story. Every painful story has a successful ending. 
Accept the pain today and get ready for your breakthrough. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Each and every successful story has a story of pain. But if you prepare yourself, even when you are going through your pain, you will experience your breakthrough. John Arai says, do not put a question mark where God has put a full stop. Don't ask. Don't put a comma. God has put a full stop on your life. It is declared. It is decreed that you are going to make it. Don't put a question mark when God has put a full stop. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. Let them put, let them put question marks upon your life. Let them put commas on your life. Let them put question marks on people's church. Let them go ahead doing that. But my God, we are saying God has put a full stop. This church will not remain where it is. We will go to another level. Don't put a comma on my life. Don't put a, a, a question mark on my life. Don't put a question mark on our church. Somebody praise the name of the Lord. An anonymous author says, No one manufactures a lock without a key. Similarly, God won't allow problems without the key to your solutions. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. No one manufactures a lock without a key. When you buy a lock, you buy the key as well. And it is the correct key to open the lock we are saying here even you if you go through your life of pain your life of difficulty your life of pain there is a solution for your problem God has manufactured the key for your solution God has a solution hey I don't know you know sometimes I feel like throwing my jacket I don't know whether you feel it over here, but I feel it over here. I feel destiny. I feel that God is taking us to heights. We will never believe when we are told. Let's stand on our feet.